Let's welcome the founder of Base 12, Itoro Neymar. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Right. Such powerful opening thoughts. Um, thank you very much. Um, so he has, he has made my work, uh, or what I'm here to do this morning, pretty easy. All right, so I guess let me start my timer so that I'm guided. All right, are we good? All right, so uh, this morning, over the next few minutes, I'll be taking us over, well, we're going to be talking digital, pretty much, um, and other, other tools. Um, so the digital landscape is pretty wide, so if, if we were to take, if we were to have an in-depth discussion on digital, we probably wouldn't leave here today. Um, so for the purpose of, so just with the next slide, for the purpose of um, this morning's session, I'll focus on three, three things. Um, evolution of the digital landscape, um, pretty much where we're coming from, how we got here, where we're possibly going to. Um, second thing we'll be dealing with is the myths and the facts behind them. So myths about the digital landscape, where we are today and some of the facts behind them, and as it affects work. The third thing we'll be talking about is where and how you can play in this digital landscape and how these things um, get to be. So, next slide, please. Yeah, so, so this, this is a, all right, so digital is everywhere. Um, it's all around us, even right now in this very room. Uh, that, that was from Morpheus from The Matrix. Anybody? Uh, you can smell it. It's, it's outside. When you, it's, when you open the window, you see it. It's with, it's with you when you go to work. It's with you when you go to church. It's pretty much everywhere. But here's the thing. I'll, I wouldn't say digital. I would say, please, next, um, technology. Oh, it's working now. Oh, I should point at the... Oh, okay, interesting. All right, I'll say technology. Um, technology, uh, because in technology is what has led us to digital, and, and I'll explain. So um, digital is, would I, so to speak, the current phase of technology. Uh, all right, so from inception, um, VC, whenever you want to do it, um, Adam and Eve in the garden or Big Bang Theory, whichever way you're going to, um, Human beings started out as hunters and foragers. Oh, everything else has appeared. <laughs> as hunters and foragers, and then you move further down the line, say 6000 BC, time of David, um, time of Abraham, they became farmers and herders, technology, innovation. Uh, you move further down the line to about the 1600s um, AD, and then you see that we had gotten to the stage of uh, factory work, manufacturing. Uh, okay. I think you guys should just help me control it because this doesn't seem to this doesn't seem to work. Um, in 1900s, we then moved to office work or the knowledge economy, um, and then further down, we then eventually ended up in 2000s and automation and AI, or what we would refer to as digital. Now, here's here's one thing I want to point out is that I'm sure we can obviously see the clear difference between um, hunting and gathering to farming, to factory work. But the, the, the shift between knowledge work and automation and AI is a little subtle. And here's how I'm going to paint it. The shift now is 
or with knowledge work, the emphasis was strategy. Um, there was office work. Um, so you were, human beings were concerned about how to do what to do. It was more about what you know. But with automation and AI, the shift is subtle. So now you start seeing adverts or job ads that tell, tell you stuff like, oh, an accountant, but stage experience is a plus. So it's now more than just what you know, but what apps and softwares and platforms you can use. That's the shift. So before knowledge economy, what you know. If you're an accountant, you understood finance basics, that was good enough to get you in the door, that was good enough to get you the job. But now there are additions, applications that they require you to be able to use. Um, or project manage, in project management, for example, you now see ads that say, oh, project manager with social number years of experience or use of MS projects is a plus. That's the shift. It's subtle, but it's, 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 it's moving. Um, next slide, please. So technology innovation is what has gotten us to this point of digital. And if necessity, as they would say, is the, the mother of um, innovation, laziness would sort of be its father. Um, next, please. But I, I think I would say rather than laziness, I would say optimization, because the way the world has been moving, um, the world simply is trying to make things easier, quicker, cheaper, faster, better, more efficient. That's it. Um, and I was having a conversation with, with someone a few months ago as to why there seems to be an increase in perceived value of digital skills or in, in these things when they come up. It's because of the basic laws of demand and supply. All right, next slide, please. Um, so typically, as, as demand for something increases, demand for innovation, demand for tech, demand for digital increases because it's a better way to do things. It gives you more returns. When it first starts, it's that novel thing. So everybody, so um, demand with respect to supply is imbalanced. So prices move up. Um, but then over time, as people realize, oh, there's a demand for this thing, just like the PwC reports, everybody then gets into that space. And what then happens is that demand and supply sort of balance themselves out and then prices normalize. That's kind of how we've been shifting normal over the last couple of years. Yeah? Basic laws of economics. Right, so here's, here's one thing you need to take, or we should take note of. Next slide, please. So look at this, right? So this happened over a period. And I mean, the way I spoke to it, you would think, okay, perhaps they were in increasing steps, or similar increasing steps. But next, please. <laughs> yeah, next again. It's, the growth is exponential. It's not acceleration. It's acceleration of acceleration. So let, let, me, let me try to paint it this way, um, because generally the human mind has, has challenges comprehending exponential growth. So it's like running up a mountain and then taking a jetpack. So two case scenarios. First one, if I took a piece of paper, yeah, say it's about 0.004 inches thick, and I kept folding it, yeah, so I take a piece of paper, I fold it, what I have, I fold it again. What I have, I fold it again. After 50 folds, how long do you think it's going to be? Let's assume that this piece of paper is 0.005 inches thick. Any takers? Sorry? Taller than this building, yes. Any, any other takers? Well, this building is quite tall. Any other takers? It's going to be about 60 million miles. 50 folds. That's the distance between the Earth and the Sun. Another, another question to, to paint, paint how fast this thing is, is actually moving. Yeah, um, if I were to give you 
you have two choices, A or B. Option A, I give you a cent today. On day two, I give you two cents. On day three, I give you three cents. On day four, I give you, um, sorry, on day two, I give you two cents. On day three, I give you four cents. On day four, I, so I'm, I'm basically doubling what I'm giving you as each day goes. Or I should give you, option B, I give you $1,000 a day over 30 days. Which option would you take? Think about it, it's $1,000 a day, 30K, easy money. But yeah, double is actually the first story because at the end of 30 days, you'd have slightly over $5 million. Exponential, it's acceleration of acceleration. It's not acceleration, it's... All right, let's, let's move on. So here's, here's the point I'm try, picture I'm trying to paint, yeah? Next slide, please. Um, you can run from it. It's most likely going to catch up with you, right? Uh, you, you can go with the flow, or you can lead it. So there, there was, there's an interesting article I read um, um, by a principal in 1815. So this principal was basically complaining that students no longer knew how to use slates and were relying too heavily on paper. What would happen if they run out of paper? Like it was a publication from a school principal. Imagine if you were here today, what, what would his thoughts be? Right? So that's to say that you can't fight it. That's, that's a losing game. You can attempt to run from it. It will cut, catch up with you eventually. And this is, by saying you can't fight it, this is me saying hello to the 5G conspiracy theorists. All right, let's move on. So we'll move to the second section, right? Uh, myths about digital evolution, digital landscape, and the facts behind them with respect to work, right? So we'll take three myths in Pastor style. First myth is that technology will replace humans, eventually, you don't know. So those of you who are thinking that um, China will be the next world power, so you're going to learn Mandarin, you probably should learn code, right? Because I was about to make an I am robots reference, but not so many people here would, would know it, right? All right, but let's move on. So the fact behind the myth is that yes, in fact, Technology will and has replaced, please come up to the next slide, thank you. Um, some humans, eventually, but at the same time, next click please, um, it's creating work for others. I mean, you can, you can take a look at, I mean, there's, there's the example that people like posting on social media nowadays, how that the invention of the drone took away the job of the helicopter and the videographer and all of that. I really don't know what those guys did to you guys, but okay. But here's the thing, the invention of the drone has created much more jobs. They are the drone pilots, they are the crazy guys in, the good crazy, the crazy guys in Asia who are using drones for mad things. I'm talking about flying QR codes, I'm talking about, like, I mean like using drones to make a QR code that at night you bring up your phone and scan, or really immersive ads. There are, drones have also created the opportunity for trans, um, delivery, manless piloting. I mean, like, so while the invention does take away some jobs, it creates much more. Um, I, I termed this, okay, you've gone too far, guys. <laughs> Let's just go back. I termed this sort of the um, first law of thermodynamics, sort of, that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It's more like transformed from one form to another. So typically when you see technology or an innovation, just know that as it's replacing jobs, it's creating opportunities as well. We can move on now. 
Myth two, technology and artificial intelligence, you guys are already ready so I can move, can only take on tasks that are repetitive and can be automated. So they can only take on tasks that you can sit down and process map. Oh, you do this, then you do this. If this, then you do that. Yeah? That's, that's the general idea. Right, so fact behind the myth, yes, technology did start. Please tap one more time. But technology did start with tasks that are repetitive and can be automated. But it didn't stop there. They have gone further, tap again, please, <laughs> further and further behind. Apologies for the tappings. I'm sorry, the, the pen didn't work. Um, and I'll, I'll just show you a few highlights, right? Next slide. Today we have driverless cars. You wouldn't exactly call driving a routine activity. I mean, there's a lot of subjective judgment, where to park, how far to be from the curb, how far away to stay from the next person, what speed to move at depending on who and who is around you. It's not a repetitive task. Then you have medical diagnosis, and this one is actually the, one of the most hilarious uh, bits because when you have conversations with doctors, you say that they rely on experience, intuition, and things that you would normally think cannot be automated or cannot be programmed. But here we have AI's diagnosing with accuracy. Um, I mean, so there's the example of um, the AI that diagnoses if a lesion is cancerous just by merely looking at it in split seconds, faster than any human medical doctor would probably have done. There's the um, diagnosis of um, the ophthalmology as well that would take a look at a retina scan and interpret and diagnose with accuracy. I mean, there is there's the bird identification app. I don't know if anybody here has downloaded it to use that. It's really an interesting one. Um, there are AIs now that write and grade essays. I mean, there's, there was a the time that it was news. This article was written by a machine. Complete, coherent. You wouldn't even know that um, it was a machine that, that read it. So technically speaking, I mean, there are more. There's creative music. There are AIs that create music from scratch. So like you pick maybe like the emotions you want, kind of instruments you want, and they build out. Same thing for design. So technically, these, these um, machines are delving more and more into what we refer to as the creative or intuitive space that the myth would say cannot be automated or cannot be digitized. Um, there is also the classic case of machines building bridges. Auto, non-manned, non-controlled. I mean, you simply set it, drop, it prints the bridge from start to finish. Well, yeah, you should have pressed next, actually, because uh, <laughs> it's fine. Um, right, so, and I think one of the reasons for this myth, or why this myth, is because humans think that these machines, or tend to think that these machines kind of need to solve these problems the same way they do. But that's not the case. These machines rely on pattern recognition, data mining, and machine learning to solve problems in more machine-like ways, for lack of better terms, right? All right, so let's move on. So here, here's a quote from, from somebody who, ah, okay, so I have five minutes more. I'm going to run now. Um, it's a superiority complex for humans to assume that the pinnacle of human achievement and intelligence as unreachable, meaning machines can't reach, or as the benchmark, meaning that's where machines are going to stop, or unsurpassable by machines. And this quote is from Daniel Suskind. He wrote a very interesting book. Um, he envisions a world without work due to technology and automation. It's, it's a mind-boggling read if you have time for it. 
Myth three, and this will be the last one we would talk about. Technology would create more jobs for humans. Yes, I know I technically said this in myth one where I said that um, where there's innovation, I mean, it would replace one and create more jobs, right? Well, here's the question, um, and this is really not a fact behind the myth, it's just a question, pondering, right? Moving on. Technology will create more jobs, but would these jobs be for humans? Would these jobs be best suited to be handled by humans? Here's a classic example, right? So, a few years ago, Google Maps came up. It was built for humans to be used by humans, and it gave rise to so many other things. I mean, Uber, Taxify, Bolt, all of that, right? Um, where the product of this innovation or this digital, this technology, created jobs for humans. Further down the line, what we're going to start seeing is that these maps are going to be feeding information to driverless cars, not humans. So that's the question. Yes, it would create more jobs, but who says these jobs would be best suited for humans? Tesis. Next slide, please. Humans stand to benefit if they retain the upper hand in complemented tasks. So right now, we're, we've left the world where it's a human being trying to do stuff by himself, like we've gone far from that. It's now to a person, even in the workplace, working with technology, hand in hand, the laptops you use, the phones you use, the apps you work with, the um, collaboration tools you use, and above, and all the others. Humans start to benefit if they maintain the upper hand in these complemented tasks. All right, um, so final section, where and how you can play. And uh, this, this section will be pretty quick, because um, I think the answers are pretty obvious, but there's this particular part of it that I would like to highlight. So the first bit is, or would be with respect to, so I skipped something, sorry. Um, when I said humans stand to benefit if they retain the upper hand and complemented tasks, one of the things I, I, I wanted to say was that you should, as much as possible, in addition to learning digital skills and learning to be able to work with these machines, retain your empathy and emotional intelligence. Because at the moment, that's the one thing that Machines can, can mimic, but they can't genuinely have. Not yet. We're not there yet. They can mimic it. They can, I mean, there are apps for um, counseling and that, that sort of thing. Now we read through the text and give you. They can mimic it, but they don't genuinely have it. So as much as possible, retain your empathy. Retain that which makes you human, pretty much. All right, so we can go back to where we, are, where we were. Yeah? We went how to play. Um, so, of course, answers are obvious. First bit, developers shape the future. They're the guys who are pretty much driving and shaping the future, defining what's going to be what in the next coming years. You could learn to code, um, and I'm sure there are quite, going to be quite a number of people in the breakout sessions that could advise you as to how to go about this in depth, where to start from, what languages you could um, get to or try. Um, at the same time, you could try the no-code approach. Um, so there are a couple of platforms that have, have popped up over the last couple of years that allow laymen, like me, to build apps, build solutions based on stuff that has already been provided, right? Um, second bit is you could be a productive user, yeah? And not just a user, a, next click, please. A productive user, and here's the thing. Um, these users are usually the focus of innovation, right? There are the, when people are building 
apps building platforms, they build with users in mind. So machines don't exist for machines' sake. They exist for the users. They exist to, to deliver it or solve a particular solution for somebody, not necessarily for themselves. If they're solving for themselves, it's for somebody. You get my point, right? Um, and in these two cases, I mean, there are levels to it. You could be a noob, a complete learner. You could be a super user. This all depends on how much you apply yourself, how much work you put in, right? Um, then there are two other categories that uh, would probably not be very obvious, but they exist. Next slide, please. Please be tapping one one. Let's not go too far. Exactly one one. Please let's go back. Thank you. <laughs> all right, but anyway, they're, they're the clueless. They're the clueless guys who really don't know what's going on. Like what is going? You 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 don't know what is going on, right? So my advice to you is if. And, and this is not just for those who are interested in tech, in core tech per se. It's, as I said earlier, it's everywhere. It's in everything you do. The new normal is shifting from knowledge work to automation and AI. It's now more than just what you know, but how you can apply it with the apps and tools that are available, right? So follow Huno Road. The next um, set of people are well, would I say an interesting crop of people that are somewhat coming up or have started coming up would be the social architects. So um, the way it is today, there are so many apps and solutions out there. And sometimes businesses do not have the time to comb through these solutions, comb through these apps to solve their problems. So here's the work of a solution architect. A solutions architect is one who knows the landscape and is able to put together these apps and platforms to solve a business problem. So you're linking maybe Google Sheets with... Um, uh, say something else, Data Studio with another app, with another app, and automating across. I mean, Microsoft has the. <laughs> okay, I've seen you. Thank you. <laughs> Microsoft has the the power side of things, and I mean, you have platforms like um, Automate IO. You have platforms like Zapier um, that can allow you to do achieve this with less code or no code if you're paying for the, those platforms, and then with API integrations, right? So, in closing. Uh, foundational skills that you need to have in this digital landscape, you need to be able to add value be beyond what can be done by automated systems. That's basic. You need to also be able to operate in digital environments. I need to be able to continually adapt because we're moving really fast. Really fast. Uh, final closing remarks, be curious. Always ask yourself, is there a better way? Or otherwise, be lazy and always ask yourself, is there an easier way? Um, second bit would be try everything and apply everything you find, right? And lastly, show your work. Because you may, you may be the best thing after soft bread, but we wouldn't know if you don't tell us. All right, thank you very much.